Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Intimacy, energy, and creativity. These are things most of us crave, and they play an integral part in having a fulfilling life and feeling well mentally, spiritually, and physically. My guest today is Kim Anami. She's a holistic sex and relationship coach, writer, speaker, and vaginal weightlifter. And she dedicates her life helping people around the world to reconnect with pleasure. Kim's work is a spiritual synthesis of over two decades of Tantra, Taoism, transpersonal psychology, and philosophy. And her Anami guarantee is that everyone can. Every woman can have multiple orgasms and every man can have sex for eight hours straight and be able to separate orgasm from ejaculation. They just need the right tools. With her viral media campaigns on the jade egg and vaginal weightlifting, Kim has broken the mainstream sex censorship barrier many times over. And in this episode, we speak about, you guessed it, all things sex, self-exploration and healing, and how to juice up your life and love. summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Kim, it is such a pleasure to connect with you. I'm so grateful you made time for us today. Welcome on the Superhumanized podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And Kim, you are a holistic sex and relationship coach for the audience. What does holistic mean with regards to this? I'm all about getting to the root cause of issues and looking at the body as a transmitter of messages and intelligence and guidance for us if we are only to listen to that. And so where in the allopathic framework, they look at symptoms as things to be band-aided or covered over or gotten rid of in a way without really looking at the source of them. And in a holistic framework, we look at, well, what is the body trying to tell us? What are these messages representing from the higher self? And if we can get to the root cause of that healing, then we can have permanent eradication of those symptoms rather than just an endless stream of band-aids and suppression of those symptoms, which never gets rid of anything. It just stuffs it down. And then that thing will erupt someplace else because it's really trying to get the attention of the conscious being and the conscious mind. And so that's been my whole approach with holistic sexuality is to help people find those answers, read those messages, and become fully conscious and inhabiting of their bodies, of their selves, of their sexuality, and using that as a power source in their lives. Mm, wonderful. And it's so interesting how, for example, in Western uh, societies, we are so hyper-focused on sex and being sexy, yet at the same time, 
uh, our true essence, our true sexuality is so suppressed and really has been subjugated by conditioning of hundreds or thousands of years. And I cannot even begin to imagine once you help the people you work with to actually peel back these layers and reconnect with themselves and finding the answers of why they've been having certain problems and ailments that must be truly some amazing journeys that you facilitate there. I would like to know from you, Kim, what does sex mean to you? And why is it so important that we're sexually fulfilled? Yes, you're right. In that every sex is everywhere. Sex is in pop songs, advertising, you know, commercials, movies, television, except there's also this parallel message of you're not really allowed to have it and enjoy it. And so most people have this huge chasm and dichotomy going on within themselves where there's perhaps an intuitive sense that sex is natural, it's healthy, it's a good thing. And yet all the messaging they get is really denying that or, you know, contradicting that. And so unless people actually consciously look at that and see where they've taken on conditioning and programming around sex and try to piece out what their truth is, then they never really get past that. And they're operating with some kind of struggle and deficiency or dissociation around their sexuality. So my view is that sexual energy is life force energy. This is the energy that creates new life. And if we're not creating babies with it, then we can take this procreative energy and learn to harness and channel it out into our daily lives as a creative power source. And so most people have no idea that's even possible. And so one of the beautiful things I see is that when they come to my work and they hear me, because so many people just don't know what they don't know. That's just the way of life. And then when you know, and something resonates with you intuitively, and then you can move towards that and start to you know, develop those ideas or techniques in your life. And so that happens with people when they come to my work is that they're like, oh, like I felt that they wanted to feel like their sexuality was a good thing. And I can help validate that for them and then lead them on this path really back to themselves and this journey of getting to know themselves and inhabiting that life force creative power that we all have literally at our fingertips. Mm, I love what you just said, Kim, with sexuality equates to this life force and that we, we can also use it for things we want to create in life. I've always felt when I am in a place where I feel really comfortable with my sensuality, with my sexuality, and I not always do, I'm only human and I get bombarded like everybody else by certain messaging. But when I am at this place of peace and just fully feeling myself and feeling good, that's when the most amazing things happen. And whether it's energistic events, serendipities, or when I'm just able to put out work, creative work that I feel really good about fulfilling my mission and my purpose. And what's so fascinating is also, especially as women, it seems like we have this mandate, this obligation to be sexy, yet at the same time, we are forbidden to own our sexual agents, our sexuality, to have agency over it. Like, how dare you be a free, fully empowered and embodied sexual being when you're a woman? Now, your work is all about helping people feel empowered, right? You work with them on different levels, physical, spiritual, 
emotional, on the physical level. All women have heard, do your Kegel. Why are you saying don't do your Kegels? That's a great question. And so Dr. Kegel in 1947 was an OBGYN and he had all these women coming to him with issues of urinary incontinence. Hmm. And so he created this exercise that involved a series of muscular contractions of the pelvic floor. But the key part of the exercise is that it involved putting a device inside of the vagina that they could contract on. And so the purpose of that device was to create feedback and resistance. So imagine it's the reason why people go to the gym and they lift weights, right? Imagine if you have your bicep and you just move your arm in that bicep curl position with no weight versus mm -hmm. you pick up a weight that's at the proper amount that it's like just enough to challenge you, but not too heavy that you can't pick up. That's the magic number that we're looking for to actually build muscle strength. The exact same thing applies to vaginal strengthening and Kegel knew that. And that's why when he created that exercise system, he had an immediate 90% success rate. And that device that he had women insert, he called it Kegel perineometer so that he could you know, measure that feedback and resistance. And then as time went on, other doctors adapted that exercise, except they omitted one crucial point, which was having this device inside the vagina. So they were essentially just having women flap their vaginas at random in the wind. And then immediately the official, the efficacy of the exercise dropped 50% and it's been tanking ever since, right? Where according to the Yale University School of Medicine, one 60% of women upwards of that have issues of urinary incontinence. 50% of women after they have a baby have pelvic organ prolapse in some way where part of their anatomy is literally falling out of them, which is horrific, right? So it tells us that something is horribly wrong in how we're working with women on these issues. And that's because the way that Kegels are being taught right now are completely wrong. That's not even the original exercise. And I've, I've thought about this over the years and thought, why did this happen? Why did they change the exercise to just tell women to flap their vaginas around? And I honestly think it's because these doctors are terrified to tell women to go home and put something in their vagina. And so they have to give them this diluted, utterly ineffective exercise. And then the things that they recommend, like their main go-to for helping women with their incontinence is to sew plastic mesh oh. inside of the vagina and the oh. abdomen. It's oh. absolutely disgusting. There's hundreds of thousands of class action lawsuits because this device, this plastic melts down inside of women's bodies. Like it's absolutely insane, right? Like the ridiculously stupid and damaging things that the OBGYN profession, it's like torture devices, really. They're like the big torture industry of the medical profession practicing on women. And so the jade egg exercise that I teach then heralds from the Taoist culture 5,000 years ago, where they were using jade eggs in the vagina as a vaginal strengthening device. And you could say that Dr. Kegel came up with a modern version of that in terms of using a device in the vagina. So obviously from the Taoist perspective and using jade and that whole system, sexual healing and rejuvenation is much more holistic and self-oriented, right? Like I'm all of the mind that we use the egg, not only as a physical strengthening device. Yeah. So it 
it prevents and eliminates urinary incontinence. It can treat and, and reverse pelvic organ prolapse. It increases sensation in the vagina, increases lubrication, orgasm potential, pleasure potential. You can give your man a hand job with your vagina, all of these things, but it also reconnects the woman to that part of her anatomy because depending on what level of experiences she might have had in her life, everything from the internalized programming and cultural conditioning that we all take in, and addition to that, like the trauma that we might have sustained, all of that stuff gets stuffed into our reproductive organs on an energetic level. And Wim Hof refers to it as the issues in our tissues, which is very apt. And so working with the egg that way helps us to regain that conscious and sentient awareness of those body parts and then reintegrate them into our whole selves. And so I consider our reproductive organs to be our movers and shakers, our creative power sources. And so for women, the womb is the gestational place, the the giver of life, the maker of life. Our ovaries are engines for creativity. The vagina is the great birther. And so these are all creative energy sources for us and tools. And so when we're actually in touch with those body parts and the energies that they house, we are operating on full cylinders, right? Where people who are not in touch with their sexual energy are really operating at a deficiency, right? They may be experiencing everything from depression to lethargy and (laughs) anger and weight gain and all manner of growths and health issues related to their reproductive organs because they've dissociated. And sometimes people are so cut off from those energies and those organs that they literally get cut out of their body. So here we're coming back to that symbolism of what these organs are all about and our connection to them. And so the opposite to that is when we're really in touch with those organs and in touch with that energy, then we're taking all of that creative birthing power and using it in our day-to-day lives where we see that we're much more impassioned, energized, creative, intuitive, inspired, because all of that creative energy power of the universe, that life force is now at our conscious disposal to channel out into our daily lives and everything that we do. Beautiful. And I also, with regards to the jade egg, I love the symbolism of the egg, of course. And with a jade, can you explain to the audience why particularly jade was also used and still is used in the Taoist tradition? So they looked at jade as a very powerful stone and healing and tonifying for the female reproductive organs. And nef jade, which is a type of jade, the Latin origin of nephrite has to do with the kidneys. And in the Taoist system, the kidneys are the source for sexual energy. The waters of sexuality are generated that G energy from the kidneys. And so it's also a really good dreaming stone in terms of manifesting your dreams and your vision out into the world. So it's the stone that we use, that I use in the practice. Excellent. And there's something else with regards to strengthening the vagina. There's actually a hashtag you created, things I live with my vagina. And I personally think picture speaks a thousand words. I love that you make visual the power of the vagina. And it really puts the saying, you are a pussy when someone wants to call someone else weak in its place. Pussy is power. So I would love to learn about what are the benefits of lifting weights with your vagina? And if I want to lift 
weights with my vagina. I'm a biohacker. I'm my own guinea pig. How do I start? The benefits are similar to what I just articulated around owning that sexual energy and that creative power and the Kegel using the jade egg, which is strengthening the pelvic floor, that it supports all of the internal organs primarily. And so with that lift, of the pelvic floor, people, women experience this full lift in their body to the point where their breasts lift, their faces lift. I have had clients stop using Botox after having a jade egg practice because the lift was permeating through their entire system. Think about it. If your pelvic floor is holding everything up and it's sagging, everything's also sagging, right? So when you strengthen it, everything lifts up. So as I was saying before, increase your pleasure sensation. And most women are really numb in their vaginas. They don't have a lot of sensation. I can, they might even feel like they can take or leave sex or intercourse because they don't really feel very much in there. And so you can't really blame them. So it's not supposed to be like that. You're meant to have incredible ecstasy and pleasure in the vagina. Have more vaginal orgasms like G-spot orgasms, cervical orgasms, ejaculatory orgasms have ejaculate that shoots across the room. Every woman is able to have these things. I, I have something I call the Anami guarantee, which is every woman can have G-spot, cervical or squirting orgasms. Every woman can shoot ping pong balls across the room. Every woman can have a high libido. All of these things are possible. It's just that most women don't really know how to get there. So the jade egg is a fantastic tool for that, what I call vaginal reconnaissance, right? Going in, know thyself, getting to know thy vagina, your inner self. And so again, the other benefits would be increased lubrication. Circulation equals lubrication. As soon as you are, you know, strengthening and engaging that muscle, you're increasing blood flow, oxygen flow, and the flow of hormones in that area. And so lubrication happens much faster. I have had women in their 70s who were postmenopause and worried that they would have to go on some kind of hormones because that's what allopathic medicine tells them they have to do. And within weeks of using the jade egg, they were gushing and lubricating like nobody's business, right? Because that's awesome. another lie that medical people will say, oh, women after a certain age, they need hormones to get wet or to have a libido or to have anything, right? You're meant to be like on this hormone diet for your entire life of artificial supplementation, which I just think, how can you be so insulting to the human body <laughs> to think that it's utterly incapable of sustaining itself for a lifetime, especially for women. I often say that menopausal women are the allopathic cash cow, right? They're just like lined up for every possible intervention that they could have with organ removals and drug prescriptions. It's an endless stream of business for the allopathic profession and unsuspecting women who just simply put their trust in those professions. Orgasm potential, as I was saying, what else? And overall, like that creative harnessing of that power, right? So that when you're in touch with that energy and inhabiting the vagina, everything is increased. Your pleasure is increased. Your orgasms are increased. Your creative energy increases because you're now tapping into it. Mm -hmm. And so if I wanted to start lifting weights with my vagina as a complete beginner, how do I start? I know you also offer programs where you help. Uh, women help people to help themselves to become sexually empowered. But if you could give me like a quick rundown here, I would 
love that. And I'm sure some people in the audience would also be very interested in that. Yeah. So I teach a full course called Vaginal Kung Fu, which is an eight-week program that runs women through how to use the jade egg and then all kinds of mental, emotional, energetic, spiritual accompaniment to that. Because for years, I refused to just sell a jade egg on its own on my website because I was not comfortable with just sending people off to figure it out on their own. <laughs> and also knowing that a huge part of healing is that whole multidimensional mind-body spirit connection. So eventually I began to sell what I call like a mini jade egg kit and salon app, which is a shorter version of my salon because I only run the salon once a year in February, March. And so they can buy that anytime in my Anami Alchemia online shop. And that's the jade egg kit. So the jade egg comes with a little pouch and some rose quartz, lifting weight stones, and then a full set of guided instructions. So there's MP3 audio exercises that explain, guide you through all of the step-by-step um, -step routines, as well as guided visualizations on how to better connect with your own energetic self and to heal by using the egg. Wonderful. I know what I'm going to gift myself this week. <laughs> so I'm going to go on your website and get that. I already saw it. it's a beautiful presentation. You mentioned something really interesting uh, with regards to, you know, postmenopausal women and becoming the cash cow of allopathic medicine. And I think you really have a point. We are disconnected from holistically viewing women in all of the stages of life. If you want to go uh, to if you want to take the holy trinity of womanhood, maiden, mother, crone, so to call the crone nowadays is completely disregarded uh, because in our society, we put such a focus on women in childbearing years. And since we live in a society that is hugely influenced by patriarchy, as soon as a woman is not of, quote, use anymore in the reproductive sense, she gets put aside. And I think there's a huge power and reclaiming this and redefining this and for women to love and accept themselves at all stages in their life. And for example, to reframe the thoughts that we have when you are not of child rearing age anymore, you mentioned it before, you can channel uh, all of the energy that you would have put in being pregnant, birthing a child, raising a child, you can channel all that creative creation energy into completely different things at that stage of your life. Yeah, look, I think that there's, it's even a larger picture than that in terms of this war on the feminine and on women's mystical connection to other realms, right? Like women really are that doorway between worlds and the very act of birthing a baby and being the vehicle for that new life is the shaman's journey, right? That is essentially every woman is a shaman, especially when she's engaged as a pregnant woman and then a birthing mother and even through menstruation, right? The, you know, ancient cultures, indigenous cultures looked at the cervix as this gateway between life and death. And so every month when a woman menstruates, that door is opening and she is thought to have access to these other dimensions of existence and consciousness. And in ancient cultures, that was fully acknowledged where the woman was, we had these long houses or red tents. This 
idea of the red tent where the woman would go and access these other realms in the shaman's role and then bring back information, bring back wisdom, because she was had access to these realms all the time. And so what we see today is that all of these things have been denigrated shamed, made to be dirty and gross, right? Like women's periods, yuck, right? Like it's just this, you like turned into this yucky, oh, it's dirty. Women are dirty at that time, rather than the truth of what's really happening in that time. And the same thing with childbirth, right? Through the allopathic system, women are being surgically, industrially cut open, traumatized. There's a term called birth rape to describe what happens in most hospital births with women, where instead they are to be experiencing birth as this grand initiation, self-actualization, rebirthing experience into her true power as a woman and as a channel of life, as a goddess, like in the literal sense. I don't mean just in the hippie eating chocolate on Friday nights, goddess circle, actual definition of a goddess as someone who's channeling heavenly, true, powerful, divine energy and new life. And then you take that further into that latter stage of life where then, okay, so the woman is now not directly, let's say, available for that physical channel, but she then takes that opening to internal or divine wisdom and has access to it all the time. So instead of the energy that her body would expend in preparing for new life, as it does every month when a woman is in that childbearing time, she now can just use all of that energy to ascend and for higher spiritual pursuits in her life. And so that, again, was the old, the more ancient view of the menopausal state, right, or post-menopause, where the woman is now, okay, she is the sacred wisdom keeper. She is fully attuned now to those realms, right? So all of that stuff, I believe, has been systematically removed from women is that they no longer are thought of in those ways and women no longer think of themselves in those ways. And so a big part of my work is the restoration of that knowledge and that knowing of themselves and that power and helping women find that power, right? Not as some ethereal, like theoretical, but literally being able to find that power and harness that power in their day-to-day lives. It is great work, Kim, and so much needed. And you're changing so many people's lives and really shifting cultural perception. You just also mentioned birth and the trauma a lot of women go through. You also teach orgasmic birth. Now, this, of course, is the polar opposite of the pain and stress most people connect with birth and also a kind of taboo where I personally think it shouldn't be. What could be more beautiful than an orgasmic birth. Tell us a little bit more about that, please. That's such a kind of epitome of this idea, like I said, of the woman and her probably the most powerful moment of her life if you are in a female body, which is being the channel as for birth and and a a new life. And that has been really taken from women, right? So all of the messaging that we receive growing up, watching TV, watching movies is women screaming at the top of their lungs in pain, going to the hospital so that somebody else can help them birth their baby because there's no way she could do it herself. You poor, you little silly woman, don't you worry your pretty little head about that. Just relax and we'll give you some needles and I'll get out my knife and we'll cut you open. We'll get that baby right out of there. And that sounds like ridiculous 
ridiculous, except that's what happens almost every time with women, especially if they're going into a hospital. And so the fact and all of that, I think the, the main thing that women don't realize that they're missing is that without that assistance, when a woman truly births a baby on her own, not only can it be so pleasurable that she feels ecstasy and it's the biggest orgasm of her entire life, but like as I was saying earlier on the spiritual, energetic, self-definition level, Level, it's a massive awakening and ascension experience for her if she earns it, meaning if she does it on her own, if she goes inside and finds that courage and strength and resolve, and I know that I can do this, then she earns the reward. But we're trained to give away that power or that we don't have that power or that, oh, it's too dangerous for you to do that by yourself. And so women just give themselves over to that system. Again, they don't know what they don't know. It's not to blame or shame women. They're just, they've been indoctrinated into this lie. And then they end up traumatized. Like I would say that is the major reason for postpartum depression. It's not some natural things that happen. It's PT PTSD from having a birth that was so heavily intervened with became a surgical crisis, an emergency that she had to be hacked open, which bizarrely, some hospitals have anything from a 33 to a 95% C-section rate. That's not because women are really bad at giving birth. It's because hospitals just talk women into it. Wouldn't you like to schedule your baby's C-section? Then you'll know the, the date the baby was born on. And then I won't have to come in on the weekend if you go into labor on the weekend, right? Like it's a very sinister system. And so a big part of my messaging over the past few years has been spending some time on educating people around pregnancy and birth and what they can experience and what these things were meant to be for women as these portals of self-realization and rebirthing themselves and then giving birth to a much more peaceful, happy, blissed out baby versus the kind of like a life or death, always an emergency crisis situation that is just a product of going into a hospital. Yeah, you're sharing some really profound insights here, Kim. You're truly a wise woman and teacher. I'd love for the audience to learn a little bit more about your own journey. Uh, you studied acting in London. Uh, you lived for a few years with a shaman, I think like in the middle of nowhere. And then you became a holistic sex coach. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the steps on your life's journey? Thank you for that. For me, it's really been about just, I think, if, if I look back on it, like I often say that if I'd gone to a sex teacher school or sex therapist school, I'd be broke and unsuccessful because what they're teaching people in those institutions or the way it's being is really quite useless and irrelevant information. And so when I look back at my life and the path that I've taken, all of those things combined to create the perfect self-education that has become the genre of my work. So it was really like a journey of me just exploring the next right thing. So yes, I when I was 
20, I moved to London to study method acting and spent a couple of years there. And even the study of method acting, the whole premise of method acting is that instead, there's two sort of schools of thought on how you act, right? One is that you, okay, I need to convey the emotion of an angry character. So what do angry people look like? They stamp their feet and they punch their fists and they yell really loud and their face gets contorted. Or... I can try to find some place in me or a memory inside of me of anger and tune into that and embody it and then express that come from that place. And so that was, it's a very different, much more from the inside out way of approaching things. And so even that brought me that understanding of getting to the true expression of something rather than putting on a superficial of what it might look like. And to me, method actors then were always the most profound, like Marlon Brando, one of the most famous method actors, because he had this raw, crazy energy that people have never seen before in a performance. And that's because it was real. That was really him, not just him pretending to be some person. So all of the steps along the way from London to, yes, studying like some shamanic medicine, living in the jungle, surfing, I know, and then my own journey of just being fascinated with the question, how do people change and how do people grow? How do we self-actualize and become the best, most powerful versions of ourselves? And that's always been my thing of for me. And then, so whatever, you know, was the next right step for me on that journey personally, then just became that accumulation. And I bring all of that stuff into my work, have created my own genre of holistic sex and relationship coaching that didn't exist before I came along. I started that. And because there was really like before that, there was, you had this kind of sterile clinical people in a lab coat. Here's where we find the ovaries kind of expression. And then you had this like Cosmo, oh, look, there's his willy. Oh, oh my goodness. Like very juvenile kind of silly, oh, you little girly expression. Like you said at the beginning, there really wasn't this space to be a healthy, voracious, powerful sexual woman. And again, like the overall worldwide conditioning is this paradigm of Madonna whore. You're either a slut and a whore and a prostitute, or you are the archetype of the virgin, pure, untouched. And where's the middle ground? And I've represented that middle ground of this combination or medium in between the two. And so, yeah, in all of that work that I did, my own explorations in sexuality really informed me like, whoa, there's something really wildly powerful here. It's like this portal to other states of consciousness, other dimensions, like all the early sexual experiences I had before I knew anything about Tantra or Taoism or any kind of study that would help to me articulate what these experiences were. I was already having them, these really deep, cataclysmic, life-changing orgasms. And then when I started to learn about Tantra and Taoism, I was like, oh, okay, here's some people who We've already been looking at these things for millennia that much more were in line with the experiences I was having, unlike the Western views of sex, where it was either very clinical or when it came to sex and spirituality, God was over here and sex was over here, unless it's the basement of a Catholic church. And then you'll find God and sex coming together in the presence of little children. But otherwise, no, sex and spirituality did not come together.
Yeah, and that is something really crucial you're saying here, whether you're religious or not, spiritual, whatever you want to call this higher intelligence or energy, let's call it God. For me, sex and God, there is no separation. If you think as God, as the highest creative force from where everything comes. So the act of sex, in a sense, is also for me, also not always, but sometimes also reconnecting or really getting this direct channel to the divine. And you spoke about having these really intense and profound orgasms, even before you learned about Tantra or Taoism, and completely the polar opposite of what the, let's say, call it the cosmo sex or the clinical sex. What is the difference between gourmet sex and junk food sex? That's a great question. So I look at just like with food, right? Like with junk food, there's something that might seem really intriguing and call to you. It's really seductive. And then you eat it, like let's say it's some high sugar product, and then you get this quick hit and a high, but then a very quick plummet and descent, right? Low blood sugar, you might crash or literally even pass out because it's messed you up so much and not feel very good afterward. And then if we compare that to gourmet food, where it might be a meal, that's prepared with much forethought, many different layers of ingredients, top quality ingredients, and you eat it and you feel bliss, prepared with love, you feel nourished, and all of those ingredients are going to actually build your body. They're creating a more powerful body with long lasting positive results. And so the same thing applies to junk food and gourmet sex. And I believe that the main ingredient that separates the two is the idea of openness or surrender. And so junk food sex would be the kind of sex. The best example would probably be somebody jerking off to porn and passing out. And I'm not, I have no judgment about these things. It's more my, my criteria or assessment is always, does this thing give me energy or take away energy? Does it bring me into a higher state of consciousness or feel like I'm almost wanting to get out of my body? So if we look at the lower, the best lower example is just like a really quick, let's bust out an orgasm to go to sleep, watching some porn, passing out, literally going unconscious, right? After the act of that versus perhaps the highest version of that would be a couple who comes together, deep love, open-hearted. They're open on every level. They're open physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. Then they come together. And with that level of vulnerability and openness and surrender, they're actually able to be channels of more divine energy in that flow and exchange between them. And so then afterward, in that more pure state of consciousness, and by pure, I don't mean chat chase just open if we want to say pure it's more like open and then they feel energized and rejuvenated like the kind of sex that you walk out and you're floating you're happy you're like nothing can phase you like people cut you off in traffic and you're like go ahead you know where like an under fox person's like get the fuck out of my way bitch I'm gonna get out of my car and smack you right that's like the junk food sex starved no no gourmet sex kind of person versus no go ahead you can go ahead too right and floating around you're more loving to your partner more loving to your children you go to work and you're more creative you're vibrant you're engaged it's the energy that i call then you begin to wear that energy and you radiate what i call well fucked 
energy, which is that you've taken in that energy and it's so powerful that it's actually palpable. People can see it. They can feel it. They react to it. They love it. They want to be around it. They're attracted to it because it's beautiful. It's so radiant and attractive. People love it. And so that's the kind of energy that people are like, are you doing something different? Because you look really different and you feel really different. And you're like, yeah, I'm getting fucked on a regular basis in the most blissful, enlightened way. And they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) I love it. And I love the analogies you're using. And it's also, it's, there's such depth and it's profound, but there's also such joy and fun and bliss. And for people to reconnect to that and relearn that, to get into the joy of it all, right? So in your view, as can semen be an antidepressant? It's actually been clinically proven to be an antidepressant. So in the Taoist and tantric literature, they talk about the real power of sexual fluids. And ideally, we're not being wasteful with them. We're exchanging them or conserving them. And that they're very powerful and full of life force energy. And I used to know, I would try to teach my partners about semen retention. I was like, look, it's probably better for you to keep it. But if you don't want it, just make sure it goes in me. Like I want to eat it or absorb it vaginally. If you don't want it, I'll take it. So I would notice that when I would, especially with oral sex, if I would swallow ejaculate, I would get this brain hit of creativity. And I would literally be running to my computer to be writing ideas down because I would just be getting this rush of brilliance. And then I read, it was probably, I don't know, 15 years ago, there was a study done by Dr. Gordon Gallup in, I think it was in a New York university and he was a university of New York, maybe Albany. And anyway, he did a study on the fact that semen is actually an antidepressant. And so they did a study where they were comparing women who all had a certain level of depression on an inventory, and then they were having sex with condoms and without condoms. And then the women having sex without condoms actually elevated out of their depression. And so then he tested the seminal fluid and it's got over 50 different compounds, neurotransmitters, hormones, many of which are mood boosting from serotonin to vasopressin to oxytocin to dopamine, all of these things that totally lift us up. So it's very powerful. This is really fascinating. And of course, I really really like to go in depth and look at things from a scientific angle, emotional, spiritual, all kinds of different angles. People who would be reactionary now, especially maybe some women would be like, oh, that's just very convenient for men. But where it makes sense to let's actually look what the old traditions say, like the Taoist, uh, Taoists, and, and let's look at what science says. And what you just explained makes total sense. You once said that you have a relationship with your partner and a separate relationship with his genitals. Please explain. There was a point in my sexual history where I always liked 
performing oral sex on my male partners and like I liked doing it I liked the pleasure that it gave them and that and my and myself but then I met a man who I think it just my openness and love for him was next level like really mind body soul just fully just sort of soulmate territory and so open to him and I felt like I just could not get enough of him like every part of him his sweat his like everything was like manna from heaven and so even his yeah his ejaculate fluid his cock like i could not get enough of his cock i would be touching it i would be sucking it i couldn't walk by it without giving it some kind of love and attention and i actually felt that i fell in love with his cock and that i had a separate relationship with his cock than I even dad from him. Like they were two distinct entities. And I realized that I missed them both when they weren't with me. I, was like, I miss him and I miss his cock too. <laughs> so when we eventually, when we had split up, I felt like I mourned the two of them. I missed my partner and then I missed his cock. His genitalia had become this presence for me but I had it took my then my love of cock into the whole this whole other realm right of then going forward I think it was both a comment on being with people that you're even more in synergy with right like that much more connected to and are better matches for you but also then just how you can explore and discover new territory in yourself and in your partner through having that level of openness. That was a place that I got to because I was just so fully guards down open. And then that carried forward into all of my relationships where I had these then distinct relationships with the partner and with their genitals. And I think that it's really our duty, whether we're whatever orientation we are, to smother our partner's genitals with so much love because they are the essence of our partner. And the more that we love and adore and worship them, we're giving our own partner so much validation and affirmation that we really help to build them up as people. And I've watched then over the years as I've been with men and me loving their cocks and how it really changes them. It changes how they hold themselves and they move in the world and they own themselves in a fully different way. And men can do that for women as well. Beautiful and so very true. You have said that everyone should have an orgasm a day. And you also said that couples should have a three-hour sex date once a week. Let's break that down. How do you do that? And also, what's your definition of sex? So let's say a three-hour sex date once a week. What does that encompass? Because I'm guessing here, but I'm guessing that it's not just penetration for three hours. It can be. I think that when most people start out hearing about the three-hour sex date, their first reaction is, it's a long time, and do we have to have sex for three hours? And I say, no, you don't. But the deeper you go on the journey, eventually you do get to that place and you three hours goes by five minutes. So a three hour sex date is really the idea that you carve out this time every week, like literally once a week, set in stone, non-negotiable, can't be omitted. That's 
uninterruptible and just for you and your partner. And I suggest a minimum of two, ideally three hours. And so that's not dinner and a movie and then some sex. No, it's three hours of you guys locked in a hotel room or your bedroom or your house to be intimate with each other. And so that could be a number of things. You could be giving each other massages, yoni massage, lingo massage, oral sex, having intercourse, exploring new types of orgasms, all kinds of different techniques, but really you are connected. And so in between whatever, let's say the sex acts, there might be some talking and you might have a bath together, but it's all of that energy, right? You're not going off on a break and checking your email for half an hour. Do you know what I mean? You're just focused on each other. And that's where the real magic can be cultivated. So we think about harnessing and harvesting sexual energy, cultivating and building up this energy to then use it in our lives. And that happens in the most powerful way with these extended sex dates. And so when couples then begin taking on this advice and they incorporate the different types of techniques that I teach them in their sex dates, they do, they get to this place where they can have sex, literally have intercourse for three, four, five, six, seven hours Go, going all night and then wake up in the morning, maybe get only a couple hours of sleep, but not feel tired at all. Because that energy is so revitalizing that they go out and feel totally fulfilled and happy and ready for the next one, the next night. So it's a real, it's like you think of it as your fueling station right? As this is the place you go to fuel up, right? You've got the outside world with all of its demands on you, all of the ways that you give out your energy to the world, whether it's to your children or your work or your life overall. And then you come back together and your partner in this gourmet sex kind of situation is your fueling station, right? You plug in, you nourish and elevate and rejuvenate each other. And then you go out into the world and do your thing, whatever that is. But I I recommend that people set aside that non-negotiable time. And I've had clients who are like dentists or lawyers who always have a Thursday, two o'clock, they're off work. And like they just go home and that's when they have their sex date with their partner. That they just, it's a non-negotiable that they have. And what you said about an orgasm a day is I believe that people often ask me like how many times a week is good to have sex. And I'd say, look, a minimum of three to four times a week, but ideally every day, like in that same, analogy of looking at your sexual connection as a place to recharge and refuel just the way you would eat food to energize yourself. This is a free energy source that's even more powerful than food. And it's this much more emotional, spiritual, higher level prana of the universe that you are cooking with each other and giving and feeding each other with. And so I would make more time for sex than I would for breakfast. You know, (laughs) ideally I'm a really big proponent of morning sex, like starting your day out with a bang that you use that as your, I don't do coffee. I do orgasms. You actually use your sexual connection as a place to give that energy. So it's a real, a a reframe perhaps for many people, because a lot of people will come to me and say, I just usually masturbate to put myself to sleep, or they think about having sex as a way to relieve stress and then pass out. And that's, as I said, the lowest use of sex that more turns people unconscious versus using it as a way to energize yourself and become more conscious and more aware and boost 
and feed your entire life with this energy. I love your take on orgasm breaks instead of coffee breaks. I personally also find all of that very enlivening on all levels. And I know that science has also connected the dots here that when you orgasm regularly, it's actually very beneficial for your entire system. Think about your lifespan, your health span, keeping everything juicy and best sense, your entire system, whether it's your immune system, whether it's your hormonal balance, all, all the neurotransmitters. All it's, and that's literally, uh, even if you're not with a partner at the power of our own fingertips. Now, talking about uh, three hour sex days or even more, you've said some of your clients end up having intercourse for six or eight hours a night and then they feel wonderful the next day and live and then energized. When somebody comes to you and asks for a little bit of help, what do you recommend as natural Viagra? Are you talking about a male specifically or help in what? Men and women. Are there certain herbs that you recommend to enhance, to tonify, to stimulate, to inspire the sexual energy and well-being? Yeah, look, I created a line of organic herbal tinctures in my Anami Alchemia online shop, and I've called them sex nectars. And for women, they contain saffron, which is probably the most aphrodisiac proven, you know, scientifically backed up aphrodisiac in the world. It's also an antidepressant. They've done clinical trials where saffron rivals Prozac in lifting depression in people. It's been studied like everything from more lubrication to I think like definitely libido boosting black cohosh and the it's not shizandra it's the um shatavari shatavari that's right yeah the woman can take a thousand lovers herb (laughs) those are all in my one for women and then for men we have again the saffron because it's so powerful and we have ginseng korean ginseng and ashwagandha. And so we make our herbs at a triple potency. So more powerful than the way most herbs are made, more concentrated. We have scientific backing on all of those. We have an actual scientific studies page on my Anami Alchemy shop that details studies on all of those herbs. So that's a great way to kickstart things physically, but I'm also of the mind that you need to be treating multidimensionally. So it's not like just take a bottle of something and that's going to fix everything. You have to be doing this other inner work on emotionally, spiritually, psychologically that I teach in all of my salons to try to clear out old programming, heal past trauma, and then reframe your vision of what's really possible in sex and then give you the tools to get there. So I would say that paired with that kind of internal work, then the herbs work much more effectively. Yes, you probably have some benefit by taking them alone, but that's not how my philosophy works. It's not because what's the difference then between pharmacologicals, right? Yeah, they're much less, there's no side effects, but you're basically just saying, take this pill, it'll do the work for you. And I'm saying, take these herbs, it'll help you with the work that you're doing. (laughs) Yes. And to get back to 
orgasms. There are 11 different orgasms. There are all kinds of different orgasms. Yes. Most people are limited by thinking there's just a penile orgasm, a clitoral orgasm, maybe, or maybe not a G-spot orgasm for women. So you can read out that list if you have it in front of you. I do not. I was just, I don't have it in front of me, but I was fascinated by it. Yeah, everything from nipple gasms to anal gasms to energy orgasms. People don't realize that there are many different body parts that have that potential. And even for women, the multiple vaginal orgasms, G spot, cervical, ejaculating or squirting orgasms, clitoral orgasms, throat gasms, full body orgasms, three day orgasms, make love to your partner across the planet orgasms, prostate orgasms for men, orgasms without ejaculation. There's a whole cornucopia of orgasms, the orgasmopedia, I call it. And so all of this is available. We're just opening up different energy channels in us and different levels of emotional openness. I would say that some of these deeper orgasms, like the cervical orgasm in women, let's say, requires a woman to be fully open and surrendered, her heart's open, her full being is open to get to these much deeper places, right? It's like you earn your way into those places of self-realization and rebirth where a clitoral orgasm is much more accessible. It's much more superficial. Most women can have one, but these deeper orgasms are more elusive because they demand more of us. They demand us to really show up in our truth, in our authenticity, in our vulnerability, in deep surrender. And then we have the keys to the queendom. Then things open up for us. Beautiful. There is so much bliss for us to experience on all levels. Kim, there's a question I ask every guest with regards to practices that have informed your life and changed it positively, whether it's mentally, physically, or spiritually. Uh, can you share something with us that has profoundly affected you in a positive way? Hmm, there's so many. I guess in this realm, sexually speaking, it's that reframe of looking at sex as this portal to other dimensions of consciousness and awareness and really following that thread. I did a podcast on the idea of the psychedelics of sex, right? Many people ingest plants and substances to alter their state of consciousness. And I very early on in my sexual experiences had that level of awakening through sex. And so by being open to that journey within myself, I'd say that's changed everything in my life because it's given me that access to that life force energy that, as we say, we have as at our fingertips. And the price of admission is a level of courage and surrender and openness and risk-taking to dive into those places that might seem scary or foreign or unknown to people, but the ultimate end result is worth every moment of it. Yes. I could not agree more, Kim. And people who want to learn more about you, reach out to you. Where can they do so? You yourself have a hugely successful podcast. Thank you. Yes, it's called Orgasmic Enlightenment. And I do weekly episodes on that. I have a YouTube channel, Kim and Ami, that you can find. I've got some great videos up there. And 
Those are probably the two main places. I run my online intimacy school where I run classes throughout the year in everything from vaginal kung fu to sexual mastery for men. And as you mentioned, the holistic pregnancy and ecstatic birth program. And then I have a shop where I've created a whole bunch of different holistic products for the erotic realm called Anami Alchemia. And I have everything from those jade egg kits that we were talking about earlier to Venetian glass blown couture dildos to crystal elixirs and those herbal tinctures and body oils, breast massage oil, yoni massage oil, all kinds of stuff. Kim, it has truly been a profound pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for sharing all of yourself, all of your insights, your wisdom, and your warmth and your joy. Thank you for putting all these things out there in the world for the rest of us to learn and heal. Thank you so much for being my guest today. My pleasure. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Superhumanize. Accelerated Evolution. <laughs> <laughs>